0: From out. The podcast about comedy, comics, and other such nonsense. I'm your host, E.R. Flynn, a cartoonist and graphic artist living here in the Pacific Northwest. In each show, I'll be discussing a topic that is related to the comics I've published on Substack. Welcome to another episode of Escape from Clown Town. In this episode, I thought I'd uh, change things up given the current state of the country to read you two parables about conformity and authoritarianism. First, the beach. One sunny day a man drives his modest, gas-practical little car to a beach at the shore. He parks his car on a street near the beach and proceeds to walk to it. Upon entering the beach, he then takes off his shoes so he can enjoy the feeling of the sand and the seawater, gently massaging his feet. Meanwhile, another man drives his giant, gas-guzzling 4x4 Jeep to the beach at the shore. He drives fast and recklessly, screaming at the slower cars to get out of his way. Get out of the way, get out of the way. He's looking forward to being on the beach where he can then loudly play his music while barbecuing steaks on a large gasoline powered grill he's loaded into the back of his Jeep. Once he's arrived to the entrance of the beach, he sees there are others just like him who have driven their large Jeeps, trucks and SUVs onto the beach resembling an encampment of an invading army, or perhaps more like the burning oil fields of Iraq during the Gulf War. The other drivers have set up their large grills next to their autos and are enjoying the beach enhanced by the smell of burning meats. The man admires his fellow gas hogs and then looks down the beach to see a lone man walking on the beach. He huffs in scorn at the man's foolishness. After all, why bother to walk to the beach when one can drive up as close to the water as possible? The man in the jeep then proceeds to push his gas pedal to the floor as he charges onto the sand. Unfortunately, the man has made an error in judgment. Due to all the other Jeeps, trucks, and SUVs also charging onto the beach, the sand at the entrance to the beach has been churned up and softened into a series of lumpy, sandy tire traps. As the man attempts to speed onto the beach, he finds that his Jeep gets quickly mired in the sand. He tries to put the Jeep in reverse to back out of the holes his tires have dug into the sand. But the aggression with which he uses to gun the engine only sinks his tires deeper into the sand. The angry man gets out of his Jeep to inspect the situation. The oversized tires of his auto are nearly buried in the sand. He yells over to his fellow Jeep, truck, and SUV brethren for help. However, they pay no mind to him, as they're listening to their music too loudly while filling their bellies full of grilled meat. Other large vehicle drivers, who are a bit more careful, enter the beach and pass by the man, giving neither a glance his way nor an offer of assistance to him and his hopelessly stuck jeep. The man tries to call a tow truck, but he finds that his cell phone has no service. Meanwhile, down the beach, the man who is walking on the beach has had a sufficient amount of the sand and seawater, gently massaging his feet. He decides to leave the beach. As he walks up the beach, he sees the distressed Jeep driver and the collection of selfish other drivers. He makes a wide path to avoid them as he exits the beach and heads back to his modest little car parked on the street. Upon arriving at it, he shakes some sand off his shoes, enters the car, and starts it up. As he starts to drive off, the man looks into his rearview mirror and catches a glimpse of the entrenched Jeep driver who is now screaming and cursing at his vehicle. The man smiles and drives away. Part 2 Soviet Scissors. Yuri Popovich sat at his boring and repetitive job on the production line in the Comrade Khrushchev Scissors Factory. He watched the scissors die-cutting machines stamp and spew scissors down the conveyor belt. As he sat there, he thought about his squalid little state-supplied apartment and how it needed plumbing repairs. Its mildew-stained walls also badly needed painting. Yuri then thought about how the apartment lacked electricity at certain times of the day, and how the apartment also never had adequate heat during the long, cold Leningrad winters. He then reflected on his inability to buy a decent loaf of pumpernickel bread or even purchase a stick of butter or a jar of jam to smear onto a slice of one of those scant loaves of bread. It was thinking of a nice dollop of jam on toast which motivated him to make the slightest of adjustments to the scissors die-cutting machine. Not a major adjustment, just a minor twist of the dial, enough to make one side of the scissors off by just a minuscule one-tenth of a millimeter. After doing this, He watched the scissors getting pressed and moved down the production line. He subtly smiled, satisfied that his adjustment introduced a small bit of chaos to this mundane, rundown world. When his shift was over, he was still smiling as he passed his co-worker, Sergei Tatopnik, who replaced his position on the line for the second shift. Sergei wondered what Yuri had reason to smile about. It wasn't like the internal routine of this job would offer any levity. It made Sergei very curious. As he sat on the production line watching the scissors die-cutting machine, this curiosity wormed its way into Sergei's brain. He looked around the factory floor to see what possibly could have amused Yuri so much. Was it one of the other drab, joyless co-workers? A few meters away sat Dalib Friktov, a slovenly pile of a man. Was he the one who was somehow amusing Yuri? Doliv farted as Sergei watched him. However, this didn't amuse Sergei, since Daliv often farted due to his known overindulgence in kielbasa and cabbage. No, it was something else. This curiosity started to push Sergei to really resent Yuri. How dare he be allowed even a smidge of joy at this miserable job? It was then Sergei was struck with the idea to play a trick on Yuri and the other comrade co-workers. He made the slightest of adjustments to the scissors die cutting machine. Not a great amount, but just enough to make a pair of scissors slightly off by one fifth of a millimeter. Sergei derived a great sense of satisfaction at his jest upon Yuri and the others. This elation with his adjustment helped Sergei enjoy the rest of his shift. He even gave a wink to comrade co-worker Boris Klinkinoff, as Boris replaced him at the end of his shift. Boris was taken aback by this wink. He wondered what Sergei's wink signified. Was it some kind of warning? Did he know how Boris smuggled a pair of scissors out of the factory? Boris contemplated this wink as he watched the die-cutting machine spit scissors down the production line. paranoia seeped into the cracks of his brain. He worried that somehow Sergei had told the floor comrade about his theft and that he'd be sent to the gulag over his need for a pair of scissors. It was a perfectly innocent theft. How else was he to shorten the length of his oversized work pants? Boris started to panic and nervously scanned the factory floor for any secret police coming to take him away. It was at this moment that he devised a scheme with which to distract from his thievery. Borst decided he would make the slightest of adjustments to the scissors die-cutting machine. An obvious amount, but just enough so that when confronted about the purloined scissors, he could quickly distract his accusers by pointing out how the scissors die cutting machine was off by one half of a millimeter and posed a serious threat to product consistency, the factory's reputation, and the superiority of Soviet manufacturing. For the rest of his shift, Boris broke out in a cold sweat as he worried he'd be whisked away at any moment. When his shift was up, he walked hurriedly by Mishka Fupnik. The comrade co-worker who was taking over his seat for the next shift. Mishka noticed the edgy and sweat-laden state that Boris was in as he passed. This made Mishka very worried. He began to obsess over reasons why Boris acted this way and became concerned about his own safety. By the end of the week, The Comrade Khrushchev Scissors Factory flooded Soviet shops with pairs of scissors where no two sides were exactly alike and none of them actually worked. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and found it entertaining and informative. Thank you for listening. If you're listening to this on some other podcast platform, I suggest you pop on over to erflynn.substack.com and subscribe to my weekly comics. If you become a paid subscriber, you'll get immediate access to paid content as well as swag and any printed comics. Check it out at erflynn.substack.com.